Your scheduling software is more than just a booking system. It is a complete client management, communication, and studio management system. And we have got more options than ever. So if you're looking for software that is easy for you to build and grow your boutique fitness business, then you're probably wondering, how do you decide which option is best for you? Well, today we are diving into all the details in this episode of the Pilates Business Podcast. Well, hi there. I'm Sarah Glanfield. I'm a business and marketing strategist just for boutique fitness studio owners like you. If you're ready to be inspired and make a bigger impact, you're in the right place. All you need are a few key strategies, the right mindset, and some support along the way. Join me as I share the real-life insights that will help you grow a sustainable and profitable studio. This is the Pilates Business Podcast. Welcome back to the Pilates Business Podcast. Uh, I'm so glad you're here today um, because I am here with Laura Monkholm, and we are talking all about studio management software. So Laura Monkholm is the president and co-founder of Walla, which is a powerful all-in-one fitness studio uh, fitness studio software company, um, which she built um, because she saw such a huge need for studio owners um, to be able to control their business and make it easy to control and grow their business. Um, all the behind the scenes that that is just makes you want to pull your hair out. Um, Laura is only too aware of, and she wanted to make a platform and create a platform that makes it very easy and fun and fulfilling for you to build and grow your business. So welcome, Laura. Hello, hello. Very happy to be back. I was going to say, I should say welcome back um, because Laura joined us back in episode 13, which was way back in July of 2021. Um, and we talked a lot about Walla and how Walla came to be on in that episode. And so we'll dive We'll, 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 we're going to, we came back to talk today because a lot has changed since then. And I definitely get asked every single week, at least, I was going to say like at least twice a week. I just got off another call literally like 45 minutes ago where someone was asking me about uh, software and booking systems. And I know I've got a bunch of DMs sitting there waiting for a response. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's a, it's a question that comes up a lot and it's not, and the thing is, it's not just about booking clients anymore. It's not just about booking in a schedule. Um, at all is so much more to it than that, which I think makes it that bit more challenging to kind of be able to decide when's the right time and what to look for in a, in a platform, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, first of all, I think we were very limited with options for such a long time, but second of all, since, you know, the world has so dramatically changed, we have all different facets of our businesses that we're thinking about and we need to make easy for consumers. Um, if I were to say there's one thing that's been pushing uh, businesses businesses in this direction of you know considering change, it's consumer demand. The acquiring customers is more expensive and more challenging. Getting people to engage with you and stay with you is more challenging. But the actual demands of customers, your you know the clients, the students that walk into your business for ease, for simplicity. Um, and their attention spans, quite frankly, are so short when it comes to consumption. So when they are met with very challenging, um, outdated, antiquated technology or, you know, are frustrated with a million different logins, then 
you lose them, period. And so I think that has honestly been the biggest driver for the the desire for change at this point in time. Absolutely. Well, and I can, you know, I think post-pandemic, the consumer behavior has shifted um, so much. And, you know, our, I think our acceptance of doing more things online, paying, buying things online, paying for things online, subscribing to things online um, means that we have to, as, as business owners in this world, we have to be participating in that and be active there because otherwise there is, you are missing out on opportunities, right? And I think now with software you have today, there is a lot of opportunities to participate in the, in the digital world as it were, right? Right, right, exactly. And I think that's that's a big reason. I mean, even before the pandemic, that's my business partner, uh, Doug, and our CTO and I would talk about, you know, we, we actually started this company right before the pandemic. So um, we would talk about the things that we expected as table stakes in, in the software. And some of those were, you know, we wouldn't even consider going to market without a digital wallet platform. We needed to do gift cards in a digital wallet. We needed to make sure we had um, you know, video on demand just as a basic part of the software and the ability to to work with Zoom as a basic part of the software. And, you know, all of those things that seemingly were like braggable, <laughs> you know, features were table stakes. And that to us was like, okay, who who would consider using a platform without anything like this at this point in time? We wouldn't. So anyway, I think, you know, from an expectation standpoint on ease and simplicity and just modern digital experience, that's 100% a part of the decision-making process for anybody thinking about a change at this point. Yeah. So yeah, talk us through that perhaps, uh, because I, I feel like, you know, the industry shifted tremendously, you know, with with the addition of, 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 of online in, in various different forms, but also... And and, and our and accessibility has shifted. You know what used to be sort of like a once a month email <clears throat> is now text messages, maybe maybe multiple. Um, when you know there was one automated email that went out to confirm a class is now a series based on consumer behavior, right? So there's a lot of power in these systems. And how do people decide which you know what 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 in sort of what priority of would you say? Um, people are looking at because you you're speaking every day to to people who are looking at this and what so what are their questions what are they looking for? Good good question. Um, you know, first of all, just on the, a quick note, we we just did our uh, studio insights and trends report. Um, talked to about 200 studios around the country, and 72 percent of studios uh, that we surveyed are still using virtual or hybrid capabilities for their businesses. And interestingly, um, it, it's about 53% use both video uh, video on demand and live stream. And a little, the smallest cohort uses only video on demand. So what we saw is that all of those things are still being leveraged. Live stream was the most popular virtual feature, which was actually interesting to me. I, I thought video on demand would be more popular. But what we found is that studios who had spent all of this time and money just putting a video on demand library out there were not getting engagement on it. So what they were getting engagement on were the things that were requiring accountability and showing up with a classroom and still delivering that level of connection. People want connection and that's why boutique fitness has the power it has. There's there's a different level of interaction that you have when you walk into a studio versus a gym or versus just landing on your Peloton for the day. So 
when I'm considering or when I when I'm talking to people that are considering a change, I I encourage them to think about their community as a whole, not just my small little, you know, all of the different business settings that you need. And and please do take note of the things that are important to your cash flow um, in, in the different business settings in your platform, but also consider the community as a whole. How is it going to impact your teachers? How easy is this system for them? Is the system to learn? How is it going to impact your front desk and their ability to easily communicate with people who are walking in and make the the onboarding experience really smooth? And how's it going to impact the end consumer and their ability to continually buy from you and to feel engaged and a part of your community? Because that is the winning formula. When you've got all of those parties, the teachers, the desk, or your, your team in the studio and your consumers feeling like they're successful and there's ease in a platform, that's when it's a win. Um, so I, I encourage you to not only go through your checklist, but also interview your teachers, ask your desk staff, talk to your clients about the things that they like, and then use those things in your decision-making formula. It's everything. And I always say, ask the stupid questions first, right? Can you book, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> can you book appointments? Can you book classes? Can you book wait lists? Right. Yeah, um, exactly. You know, all the, you know, it's, it's not always the case. Um, do you do allow for live stream? Can I do on demand? And then can I co-mingle things? Can I put things together in bundles to sell my clients, right? Is that easy to do? Is it complicated? Or does it make it my, is it, it going to make my head explode and therefore my clients never buy? Um, all these things. Um, and then, you know, you go down to the list of like, okay, so now can I, can I have my forms, my waivers online? Can I do email automations? Can I do text message? Can I, you know, and then layer, and it, you can go Bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. <laughs> yeah, but I would, so sometimes I, I think even just saying that can be so overwhelming to some people. They don't want to start the process of considering all the different facets. Yeah. So right. to me, the way I would approach it is look at your revenue. Like where does the bulk of your revenue come in? Is it your classes? Is it your appointments? Is it your workshops? And start there. So what are the what are the main settings you need? Do you need to be able to sell a membership that's, you know, 10 times a month and a membership that's unlimited and a, you know, a 10 pack for appointments? And can you sell retreats or teacher trainings that have variable settings on, you know, how to pay and have automated payment plans? So think about the things that make you the most money and are most critical to the success of your business. And then ensure that kind of the details are there behind the scenes. Um, you know, obviously I love my software and I'm excited about it and it's, it's fantastic for our clients, but there are a lot of options out there and a lot of them promise to do a million things. Um, you know, it's, it becomes this giant feature checklist. I'm sure you guys have all seen on, on websites, like the big graph of like, we do this versus mind body versus wellness living versus everybody else. And yeah, you can say you do things, but do you have the depth to support a business that has some complicated layers to it? So I, I encourage you to think about those details and not just take kind of the surface level. Yes, we do it as the box checked. And also listen to the reputation of those platforms. I mean, I, I, quite often, I mean, there are always going to be internet trolls and people who are never happy with anything. So don't take one person's complaint for gospel. Um, but ask when you're going through a demo process with a software platform, ask to talk to a few of their clients or, you know, get some email introductions to a few people and ask the questions, ask the tough questions, because it's, 
you know, no, no one platform is going to be the perfect platform for every business out there, but ask to talk to businesses like yours and see how they're doing on the software. Yeah. Yeah. That's all great tips. All great tips. And yeah, all great tips. <laughs> <laughs> it's a big process to go through. It's, I mean, I will it say it's, it's not only taxing logically to think about change, but emotionally, <clears throat> you know, especially after a couple of roller coaster years, you want to feel like you can trust a partner. And that's something that we were really passionate. I mean, when we, when we put together our core values, my number one, the easiest one I wrote down first thing, like I want raving fans. I want clients that care so much about our product and love it so much. They would shout from the rooftops about us. And so we make decisions based on that a lot. And that means sometimes not building the bright, shiny, brand newest, craziest thing that the industry is doing because we need to fix a small one of those in-depth features to make sure that our clients are really happy for it. So sometimes we have to put client happiness over revenue growth when it comes to decision-making. And you know, we know that ultimately that will be revenue growth because we're thinking long-term, not just quick short-term fixes of like, oh, we can win this client if we do X. Um, another thing I was just thinking, you know, as you go into the, the consideration process, the buying process and looking at new platforms, look at who they sell to. So there are platforms out there that sell to salons and spas and pottery studios and music schools and dog walking businesses and professional sports teams do if they're focused on all of those things, the likelihood of them being able to solve the problems for your specific use case in your industry is very low. You know, like I know what it's like, like running a software company and we are uncomfortably niched into boutique fitness. Like we got <laughs> narrow when we launched this company because I, I saw what a roadmap for a software company can turn into if you're trying to make everybody happy and it just doesn't work. It's, it, it ends up with a bunch of frustrated users who, and the level of complication that happened in mind body where you have checkbox after checkbox. And if you do this here, it impacts everything over there and you have to start over. And frankly, that's that layer of com that level of complication is what paralyzed so many businesses and so many business owners into being fearful of using their software and scared to make anything, any changes because they're going to mess something up. And it's, that's not a way to live. You don't want to live in fear of using the software that's supposed to support your business. Right. This, this, when you have the right software it is your best friend and mm -hmm. you're like, you're, you're opening it up and you're like, okay, let me take a look. Okay. What's going on in here today? Let me see what this is, what's happening over here. Okay. What are my new clients? Okay. How many times did that new client come? Okay. Well, should I text them and just check in on them? And, you know, it makes it so easy. All the things you're wondering about in your business, all the things you're thinking about, all the, I wonder if I could do that. Or if I, can I do this? There is, it's not, you're not limited by this one way, you know, or, you know, or it's not so complicated to set up something that seemingly like everyone else is doing, but it shouldn't be complicated to do. And, and you should be fully in control of your business and be able to, to be able to use the software as, as much, you know, to the, to the degree, to the absolute maximum degree you can. Um, because there is so much in there that you can do, right? Like I, when I work with my studio owners, you know, I, the you know, first thing is reports. And the second thing is, is, you know, communication, right? These are two things, two kind of like 
let's start there because that's really where we can always find opportunities for, for revenue growth. The numbers will tell us what's going on. And then where's the communication? What is the communication saying? And now, you know, your studio management software is not just your booking software, it is, your, it is the way you go to, to, to look at your numbers. And we're not just talking about revenue, by the way, we're talking about all of these other numbers that will tell you exactly what's going on in a way that is like actually usable. Okay. Right. <laughs> you know? Exactly. Like for example, one of the, this is like story behind this, but there in a lot of platforms, you can get a million numbers out of the platform, right? There are graphs or spreadsheets essentially that you can pull with all the different numbers, but what do you do with them and how do they apply to decision-making in the business? So when I was running my yoga studio, I, I just have this like visceral memory of being really pregnant <laughs> and um, needing, I had two teachers that had asked for a raise in the same week. And I was, you know, that stress when you're just like, Oh God, now I have to have like, what if somebody, I give them a raise and they tell somebody else they just got a raise. And I just knew it was going to be this like spiral of, I need to over like reevaluate and think through my compensation structure because on it was honestly, it was something I hadn't spent a lot of time on since the very beginning. So I go in and to mind body at the time. And I was like, okay, I need to figure out how much money my teachers are making me in every class and not just revenue, but then I want to look at my expenses and see what kind of profit I'm making. And like, I just remember going in circles through reports, like trying to figure out how do my teachers compare to each other? Not just attendance, like attendance can be such a vanity metric sometimes, um, especially if you have an intro offer or if you have anything free in your business, right? So I, I was just sitting there and I just remember crying and like I looking down at my giant belly on my pregnancy ball and like teardrops staining my gray dress. And I was like, why is this so hard? So from that, I was like, okay, I never, when I'm building this software, I want to have a teacher ranking report that shows me every teacher like lined up against each other on revenue, on profitability, on, you know, retention. How many times do people come to their class first as a first time visit and then come back to the studio um, on utilization rates? Like it's not just attendance numbers, right? It's utilization rates. So maybe somebody consistently has 80% capacity full, but their class is a smaller capacity class. So we need to look at both of those metrics. And to me, that would have been the golden ticket to my decision-making on who deserved the raise, how I'd structure my payroll from for here on, like the different pay rates that I had and the tiers. So yeah, I think just having people behind the platform you choose that have sat in your shoes or understand those like intense decision-making moments is so critical because it's, it just makes, now we've made it easy. Like you don't have to worry about that. I don't know. That's just one example. <laughs> no. And these are conversations I have all the time, you know, because I think one of the, you know, people management after you've kind of established your business, it's team management and people management that cause like the biggest headaches because, and, and, you know, and hiring and keeping your team happy and, you know, paying them is a big part of that. Um, and oftentimes we just are paying them whatever they ask for or paying them what they're getting paid somewhere else without, re without understanding the impact on your profit margin ultimately. And so being able to very easily know what room you have, what buffer you have to be able to offer additional incentives 
if you need to, to people you really want to keep is so powerful. And it just makes that decision so much easier. And you don't go into this, you don't have this sort of like sick to your stomach feeling of like, am I doing the right thing? And my, you know, you, you know, cause you can look at your numbers and you say, okay, I have the ability to pay this person up to X because I can see that my revenue per class is that for every class they're in. Yeah, and it's sort of, exactly. like, oh, this is just like, all of a sudden things are black and white instead of that yeah. murky gray, right? I know. It's Wait, so nice. did you, I love that you just said that. We have literally at the top of every roster, like a class roster. I mean, we've got an aggregate report too, but um, after a class passes and after the late canceled, no show late cancel fees have been applied and everything, you literally as a, you know, with your permissions as an owner, you can go in and click the class analysis right above any class. And you can see exactly how much revenue you brought in, what the profit was after you paid the teacher, um, utilization rates, late canceled no-show fees, even personality types. That's something we have based, baked right? into yes. all of that. If you listen to episode 13, that's way back right. when, you'll learn about, about. <laughs> <laughs> you, But you even get to see like this, you know, Saren brings in mostly thinkers into her class. She must, you know, so when we're marketing a workshop that she's doing, we should market to the thinkers, that kind of thing. So, so cool. I love that. Well, and I was just going to add, you know, I was just, um, came off a and a session a little bit ago and people were asking, um, about, you know, how, how much do I spend on marketing? What's my marketing budget? And it's like, well, if you, we need to look at your numbers to see what everything looks like before we can decide what your marketing budget, there's not like one number, like this is X, it's X, X, X dollars for a marketing budget. It depends on what your margins are. depends on what your cost to acquire a client is. It depends on all of these things. But once you have those numbers at your fingertips, like you can really make a very, very valid, easy decision. I mean, so as, as I mentioned in that insights and trends report that we just did, I mean, marketing budgets were all over the map. I think we had people that were zero hundred dollars a month. And then we had people that were $10,000 a month, $15,000 a month, you know, like it was all over the map. And what was consistent is that almost half of studios spend their marketing budget on social media advertising. And that might not always be the right thing for you. Anyway, we can go down a really long I, marketing. I, I, how long have we here. got? My gosh. I know. <laughs> but, but what I was going to say is, you know, when it comes to marketing, I something that we're noticing as not only a trend in our industry, but just global business wide, the ability to keep people in your on your list is harder than ever. It is so easy to unsubscribe from emails. And the second you're not adding value for your clients and you're perceived as just pushing and selling something, you're off their list or yeah, they're off your list. <laughs> um, and same with text messaging. So even though we've built, you know, built in two-way text into wallet, it's super easy to just go back and forth through an inbox inside your system. Now Apple has on their phone, when you delete a text message, it says block and delete right there. So you can, it's as easy as clicking that or clicking stop and somebody has to be opted out of your text messaging. And it is much harder to opt back into text messaging than it is opt back into email. So guys, the, I guess the moral of the story is valuable content and personalized content is going to win. And if you don't have a system that allows you to kind of segment and pull people by different cohorts, right? Like you need to be able to say, okay, these are my, you know, high users or my big spenders or my thinkers or my whatever the cohort may be that feels more personal, you're probably going to get pushed out of the ability to communicate with your clients because they don't feel like they're, that you're talking to them. 
they feel like you're talking to a giant audience and just trying to get you to buy something. Yeah, it's so true. It's so true. And I, you know, I think you, you, we, this is something that we haven't spoken a lot about, but it's really important because people, the opt out rate, the unsubscribe rate, you know, this is something that people get very nervous about and it's, they get nervous because they feel like if they email more, people will unsubscribe more. But the, actually the reality is if you are delivering valuable content consistently and people trust you and care about what you're saying, which you can do if you're writing about something that is intentional and has value, then people will, will happily open that email. And even if they don't read it, they will delete it, but they will not unsubscribe. The, you, the danger it happens when you are inconsistent with your marketing, where you're just promoting stuff and asking for a sale and there's no value add, that's when you're kind of in that danger zone. And so that's why we have to be, you know, you have to be thoughtful about your marketing messaging because you want to make sure you're, you're walking that walk. Um, and you're, you're, you know, you're, you're, you're kind of balance is right between content and promotion. Yeah. And, and what I would say, what I see being real and I, as a consumer experience enjoying are businesses that provide interesting education, interesting content. And sometimes it's as silly as like a funny story about something happening in your community. But other times it's, you know, learning something about whatever that specific, you know, maybe it's a a pose or a move or whatever, or a teacher, like an interesting story about a teacher. Um, But it's not even asking to like, hey, now buy this it's the ease. It's okay. Do I trust you? Do I like what you're delivering? Do I want to see more of it? And is there an easy way at the bottom of that email to just purchase my next package or go see the different plans that you have for memberships or, you know, whatever it might be. So it's trusting because the content you're sending is so great and it's making it easy to buy something. So if I have to jump through like 10 different hurdles and, you know, type something in here and go to a different landing page there and then, you know, create a new account here. It's going to be challenging to get somebody yeah. to buy. It is. And that I think we going back to that marketing budget question, having that your customer journey kind of mapped out where, which, which means that you have thought about what you want to say to your clients at what stage of their journey they are in your business. Like, what do you want to say to a new client? What do you want to say to a client after they come for the first time? What do you want to say after the, to the client that's come for a second time? What do you want to say to the client that came three times and then didn't come back? You haven't seen since, right? And these are all things you can do for free when you have the right software at your fingertips, because when you have the right software, your software will do all of that heavy lifting for you. So instead of you sitting there thinking, oh my gosh, all of a sudden in the middle of the night, you wake up and like, oh my gosh, I haven't seen that client in like six weeks. I wonder what happened. I must remember tomorrow when I wake up to, 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 you know, to email them, right? You don't have to do that anymore when you've got software that works for you. But when you have all of that working behind the scenes, you're not spending money on advertising on, on Instagram or Facebook or TikTok or wherever. You are just, you're, you have like, this is all working for you behind the scenes. And that is, I think, most one of the most powerful things that we now have at our fingertips from a software perspective that we haven't had, we didn't have five years ago, right? It, these sort of, we, you know, the customer journey, the funnel, whatever you want to call it, right? Where you guide people forward and you make sure that no one is slipping through the cracks. You're not losing anyone as soon as they walk in. They're not walking back out the back door as soon as they walk in through the front door, right? And so when I, people say to me, oh, I want to spend money on advertising. I want to spend money on, on Facebook ads. I'm like, great, that sounds fantastic. We can set that up in like no time. But 
Let's just make sure that your website is set up to convert. Let's make sure that you've got landing pages to send those people to that are going to make them click on something else so that they can opt in or they can join or they subscribe. And you've got that page set up and then you've got that welcome sequence going and you've got the onboarding sequence going, you've got the nurture campaign going. And then if you haven't got any of that set up, then please don't go spending don't $10,000 spend a month on yeah, advertising yeah, exactly. because it's just, you're throwing money out the window. Well, and I think, I mean, something that was pretty obvious to us early on in building Walla, I mean, as, as with any business, right? You guys all run businesses, you try things, you realize some things work, some things don't work, you pivot, you iterate. Um, you know, we had looked at wanting to keep it as simple as possible, like as much under one roof as we could, but at, at first, I was like, you know, we don't need to be the expert at marketing and automations. There are so many platforms out there that do that, you know, for businesses. But ultimately, what we found is that A, you know, API integrations are not always super reliable. B, they weren't always companies that we wanted to do business with or weren't aligned with our values. Um, and C, at the end of the day, studios want everything under one roof. And it's going to be most reliable to have everything under one roof. So we spent, gosh, you know, the last few months and we are continuing our like main priority now is finishing our, our automations and marketing suite inside of Wallace. So I know for those of you listening that have been waiting for that, it's coming. This is February, 2023 right now. <laughs> It'll be here soon. Um, but we built, we built some automatically into the platform, like an intro offer flow. If somebody's on an intro offer, that's a week long or a you know month long or two weeks long, they should be getting communication through that. And no, it should not be trying to sell them something every step of the way. And it should be based on whether or not they've actually come in and taken classes or come in and taken an appointment with you. So we, we really wanted to make sure there was something that was just, again, like basic part of the software that everybody can use or um, has access to. And then, yeah, the, the more complicated layers that where you can build custom things are, are going to be critical too. But I would say, you know, as you're looking at software, there might be some platforms that can do that. Absolutely awesome. But make sure you can also see in context the people who are not opted in, because no matter how great you are, there are going to be people who do not opt into your marketing communications. And if you can't see those people and where they are in the journey, they are going to be the ones that slip through the cracks. Um, so, for example, just in our intro offer report or conversions report in Walla, the people that are live in the intro offer or have recently expired, we have essentially little snapshot cards of every single person where it says how many visits they had, their opt-in status, and it has a quick way to message them, text or email right there. Because we want to make sure anybody who says no on that opt-in status, you can individually reach out to them. There is no law that says you can't call a person or you can't text a person as a relationship, right? And that's how you're going to win those people who are otherwise going to totally slip through the cracks and probably not make their next purchase with you. Yeah, that's so valuable. And I, you know, that those first sort of that intro period is so important. You know, when I work with my studio owners, you know, you want to, you want to make sure you're taking the time. I've talked about it on the lot here on the podcast, but you want to make sure you're, you're being very, very thoughtful and intentional about how you're um, welcoming and inviting and integrating your new people into your business and making sure they're setting themselves up and you up for like this long, healthy, happy relationship together where you're able to be their go-to studio for 
not just a few weeks, not just a couple of months, but, you know, for many, often many years. Right. And when I work with my studio owners, we work, we put together like a very specific series of welcome emails that shares that brand that, you know, making sure that you're aligned hundred percent with what you're sharing with your clients about who you are and what you're about so that they can feel like you're kind of on the same page from the very beginning. And that is, is so important because if you're not on the same page in the beginning, then there may always be this sort of like little, they, they may not be fully invested, you know? They want to feel like you're on their team, yeah. not like somebody telling, like yelling at them with a the loudspeaker, telling them they've got to do something, exactly. you know, it's, it's like they want a teammate. Um, you know, interestingly too, just on the, on the trends report that we did, we found that 45% of studios didn't know how to find or what their conversion rate was from their intro offers. So in that new period, like don't even have an intro offer if you're not tracking or not, not actually watching that stat because you're just losing money, right? Like you're just giving away something super cheap. So I would say it is a really critical metric to know. And if that's not an easy metric to find in your software, I would reach out, ask, or that is a good sign to change software. <laughs> yes, it is. It is. Inside of my th- in Thrive, we, um, I give everyone a set of numbers. They absolutely have to track every single month. And um, we give it for different, different uh, booking soft, different platforms, like the top booking platforms we have, like, because every booking platform is slightly different, gives you slightly different data, different reports to run different places. So we, we kind of have a few different options for people depending on their platform. And it's so helpful to have that to lean on and look at and refer to because it, you know, you don't, it gives it so much context to what's happening in your business. It gives you power to make easy decisions. Um, it supports choices you make from pricing to hiring, to marketing, but, you know, exactly. Um, you know, and on, on the note of just like tracking numbers in general, like you said, you've got kind of a, a KPI sheet that everybody uses inside of, of Thrive. More than anything, just being consistent about it is going to be the key. Like, even if you don't have every single number that you track, if you pick five that are your, you know, you're going to spend time, energy on watching those, making decisions based on those and, you know, those small pivots or iterations that you make in the business based on those numbers, that's when you see growth and success. You know, like it's, it's the consistency that matters. Just get up you know, put your pant legs on, pants on one leg at a time, tie your shoes, like every day. It's just, those are the basics. Yeah. Yeah. It's all these habits, right? Ongoing mm-hmm. little habits. Yeah. Such a truth. Oh God. That's, we focus <laughs> a lot on habit building with Walla and it's been really interesting watching, just watching and hearing responses and success stories from studios that have implemented our, our personality typology and their, their clients that really engage with it. So Habit building is a tricky thing for not only for our, you know, students that come in, but for us as business owners too. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, um, I could keep going. We could talk for hours for all the things. I know, I know. (laughs) But for those who are listening and who want to learn a bit more about Walla and perhaps have a chat with you about what Walla could do for their studio, what's the best way for them to get in touch? Yeah. So you can always reach out to me. I'm Laura at hellowalla.com, or you can head to our website and book a demo there. We've got a ton of info about, like I said before, all the different features, all of the different things we can do. Um, But something I, I talk about a lot, our 
sales team, our, our account executives, the people who are giving our demos and delivering information about our product are all ex-studio owners. So they have experienced what you experience. They are so passionate about what we're selling because they see what it could have done for their businesses when they had their studios. Um, and, you know, I don't know if that'll be the case forever, but for now that has become a really I don't know. It's one of the things our clients tell us all the time. Like, this is not like any other demo I've ever done. Your your people under like they preemptively answer the questions I know I need to ask because they get it. So it's it, you know one of the goals we have with every single demo or introduction call with our prospects is you know we want you to get off this call and be like, wow, that was totally worth it. And if we don't, we failed. So that's that's the goal. That's the goal. Fantastic. Well, if you're considering, if anyone listening to this is considering um, switching um, uh, schedule, what do we call it? Studio management software. Studio management software. I know <laughs> it's kind of a mouthful. So, <laughs> I know all of our, all of our, I wish we need some acronyms around here, right? Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> then um, please do get in touch with Laura and her team. They will be absolutely um, be happy to help you and share a bit more about what's possible for your studio business when you um, when you have a great studio management software um, on your side, on your team, right? Yeah. Thank you, Laura. And, and maybe we'll uh, give a little discount to your, your Thrive people inside the community. So make sure you join if you're not in there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I will say you're coming in to speak in Thrive in, next week. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, a little, yeah. A bit of a Laura um, Q&A session. That's a special treat. I'm excited. Yes, Thank it'll be you. fun. I love when I get to show people around a little bit too, so I can give examples. It's a podcast is great, but I'm always like, oh, I wish I could show you this right now. It's so cool. <laughs> <laughs> and it is cool. I, I get to go inside of there when I work with my studio owners who have it. Awesome. And it is fun and easy to use. So thank you. Thank you. Always a pleasure. You're welcome. Well, I hope this is helpful to all of you listening as you go about building your boutique fitness studio business. And if you love what you've heard today, then I would be so appreciative if you could go and take a quick minute and go to wherever you're listening and rate and review this podcast. It would mean a ton to me. Um, And it would also mean that this podcast will get out there into our community so that more studio owners, more teachers, more business owners, just like you can feel encouraged and supported on their journey in our industry. Thank you so much for listening. Did you love this episode and want more? Head to spring3.com and check out my free resources that will help you run a profitable and fulfilling studio business. And before you go, one last reminder, there is no one way to do what you do, only your way. So whatever it is that you want to do, create or offer, you've got this. Thanks again for joining me today and have a wonderful rest of your day.